This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome into the Illini Inquirer podcast. Jeremy Warner, Illini Inquirer publisher here with you. And joining me today after a convincing, dominant Illini victory is Gavin Good, Illini Inquirer, also Gatehouse News Service covering for them today. And this is a surprise, Gavin. And and this is what I think Illinois needed in a 41-24 victory against Nebraska. This is what they needed to prove that, hey, maybe COVID was a huge reason that we aren't as good as we are so far. But you turn it around with a win like this, convincing in every way, and we'll break it down. And you start to get back-to-back wins. This is where you can change that narrative. And I think this is a potential season-changing, narrative-changing, staff-changing kind of victory for Illinois. Yeah, I certainly agree with that. You know, came out here and expected a somewhat interesting game. Didn't expect Illinois to win. Certainly did not expect that dominant performance from Illinois. I mean, they really clicked on all cylinders. You get five takeaways, but the offense puts up, what was it, 490 yards. Um, I mean, Peters was fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. The staff absolutely made the right decision in starting him over Isaiah Williams. Um, You know, you, you said a few minutes ago, just talking, like he was making reads like to his fifth receiver in finding Donnie Navarro for a nice first down gains. I mean, he had a beautiful touchdown throw to Josh Emmett or Bebe. He had another one near the goal line to Bebe that was beautiful. I mean, he was on his game. And this whole team played like they were really, really out to prove something after getting a win over a Rutgers team that they knew they were better than. But, you know, now it's kind of like after this one, okay, maybe the the calls for staff uh, to be fired are going to, dampened down a little bit now because I mean it's hard to argue with that performance I mean Illinois hadn't beat Nebraska 96 years in Lincoln well there you go yeah and I don't know if everybody's going to be totally sold on on everything moving forward because obviously there are still big questions about how's the rest of this year look you got Ohio State next week can you compete against them can you beat Iowa can you beat Northwestern who's been really impressive they're up against Wisconsin in the first half right now Um, all of that there's still major questions but it just it's a pretty impressive turnaround following last year's impressive turnaround. You're down 20 to 10 at Rutgers in the second half. And everyone's sitting there going, I don't think they're winning the game. But somehow they find a way to eke out a victory there. And it wasn't pretty, but they get a win. It's amazing what one win can do for a team. This was a confident Illinois team today. They get a they get breaks today, right? They, they get a, a Luke McCaffrey quote-unquote fumble. Yeah, I don't know about that one. (laughs) I did not agree with that call. And I don't know what the refs were looking at, but it definitely had to be something different than what we were looking at. That's a break right away, and Illinois takes advantage of it. They get a break on that ensuing drive, Gavin, where they fumble, and Doug Kramer, Mm -hmm. Peters fumbles, and Doug Kramer recovers, and it's a gain on it. And they score right away. And that just changes the complete script of the game, right? And, And all of a sudden, they're confident. But then the defense gives up a bad drive, and Illinois comes right back, and this offense 
started to, and this is the whole team, they started to look like the Illinois team that I thought we were going to get this year. It, it's the Illinois team that I predicted to go 5-3 and three in the preseason. And it's starting to look like, well, maybe if they had Brandon Peters, they would have beaten Purdue. Maybe if they had Brandon Peters and Doug Kramer, maybe they, the Minnesota game would have been different. I don't know if they win, but it would have been different. All of a sudden, you can start thinking those things rationally, and you can make that excuse as a staff, as long as you follow this up with competitive football, a win or two more the rest of the year. But Brandon Peters looked like who we thought he would be, not week one Brandon Peters against Wisconsin. And you're right. The Illini staff knew their quarterbacks and knew that Brandon Peters was the right guy to run this offense because he did give them balance. He gave them a passing attack that Nebraska couldn't handle. The throws to Josh and Matt Torbebe were unbelievable. Those are NFL throws. The throw, the play he made to Daniel Barker thrown across his body on the run. You mentioned the one in Navarro that was just perfectly progressing through your reads. Karan Taylor and Isaiah Williams weren't doing that. And then he added a running element. 36 yards isn't a lot, but he tucked it and ran for some big plays, got a touchdown, and you see that rushing attack was complimentary with two 100-yard rushers and Chase Brown and Mike Epstein. That's the Rod Smith offense we all expected. I think they all expected this year. And kudos to Rod Smith for calling a good game, but you just had a quarterback that completely outplayed Nebraska's quarterback today. Yeah, Peters was the real deal. And, you know, like you said, Illinois staff kind of attributed a lot of their problems to COVID, which, frankly, no one believed any of that. And now, you know, you get Kramer back last week. You got the guys back from contract tra- contact tracing before that. Peters comes back, absolutely tears it up. Well, maybe they were saying, maybe they were on to something, you know, uh, and maybe they weren't just trying to cover their butts. But, I mean, the team really, really came through. And I, I thought, you know, something else that was Im- impressive was just how Peters was able to spread the ball around, too. You know, I mentioned that Navarro throw, but he was he was making reads. That seven receivers caught passes today, you know, hit Kyron Cumbie a couple times. He wasn't able to do much. But, I mean, he found, he found his guys, and that was enough. You know, Nebraska wasn't able to commit to the run against Illinois, which is something that, you know, since Lovey Smith has come to town and since Rod Smith has come to town, one thing Illinois has done well is run the ball. But teams have just really loaded the box against Illinois. You know, Isaiah Williams, you know, you're going to have to load the box against him. Brandon Peters, he can punish you if you do and punish you if you don't. Yeah, coming into this game, I thought Nebraska's going to load the box because that's what good teams have done and beat Illinois do. He's got to beat them, and he did. Um, And he helped this wide receiver tight end group look like we thought they would. Joshua Matorbebe looked like an all-Big Ten receiver today. Uh, career or The season high, 71 receiving yards and, and the touchdown. Donnie Navarro looked like the – the, the good security blanket that we thought he'd be five catches, 58 yards, both season highs for him. And Daniel Barker looked like the, you know, I know people want more Luke for, but Daniel Barker is the best tight end on this team. And he had three catches for 42 yards. And as you said, Chase Brown, uh, second straight hundred yard game. He's the number one back, 26 carries today. And then you mix in Mike Epstein, who actually ended up with more yards today on just 13 carries, 113 yards. Those are two number one backs in the Big Ten that have done it back-to-back weeks now. Brandon Peters looked like a good quarterback. So kudos to to Rod Smith, Brandon Peters, for making that offense work. But you also got to give credit to to the Illinois defense. Um, Five takeaways. Luke McCaffrey was not impressive, but I thought Illinois made him work for his yards on the ground. They punished them. I mean, Nebraska 
last year said they hit the hell out of us after they won that game. Illinois hit the hell out of them again today. And you could see that McCaffrey was feeling that. Wandale Robinson only got loose for one big play. Uh, and their passing game really couldn't do anything until a couple late you know, yards for, with Adrian Martinez in the game. But five takeaways, including what? Two forced fumbles three interceptions, and everybody was at play there. Jake Hansen, Kaylon Tolson, Tony Adams. I mean, everybody was involved here. This is exactly how Lovey Smith scripts it up. Five takeaways, you're going to win that game. And Illinois is now 7-2, and two, Gavin, the last two years when they win the takeaway battle. Uh, and last year against Nebraska was actually one of the only games they won the takeaway battle and lost. So uh, to do that today, the defense played a lot of complimentary football. Absolutely. And, and you know, it should be mentioned that Illinois did fumble four times, but they recovered every single one. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that fumbles are all luck, but I'm going to go out there and say it, it's not all luck. I think this team actually is very conscious of loose balls. And, you know, credit to, to especially Doug Kramer on that one Peters fumble that was, was early and really would have been a, a break of momentum back to Nebraska uh, for coming up with the big play. Credit to Alec McCarron, who I don't even know how he, he snagged the ball out of it midair over like four or five people. It looked like it was coming into a Nebraska player's hands, and he really saved uh, Illinois there. Can we go back to that moment? Because think of that. You're up 21-10. Nebraska, I think, had just had a field goal. And you kind of took away some momentum that they didn't score there, so they had to settle or didn't get score a touchdown. Kyron Cumby goes back a kick returner, which I think everybody was happy about because Kamari Thompson not been very good. Uh, but Kyron fumbles it in the air. A Nebraska guy plucks it out of the air. And McCarron just goes up and steals it. That's a walk-on making a huge play. I mean, Nebraska would have the ball inside the Illinois red zone or inside the 25. And instead, Illinois has got the ball, and they go down and score. Uh, that, that's a game-changing play. So a uh, helmet sticker to Alec McCarron after that and, you know, this, this play wasn't necessarily game-changing, but I think we've got to give a helmet sticker to Blake Hayes, too, for that masterful fake punt. Um, not a designed fake punt. He read that on the fly, saw acres of land in front of him, juked some air on the way to a, a lovely first down. That was, that was top class. Yeah, it's amazing that for a game that had so many big plays that's going to be the most memorable one. Like, Brandon, some of these throws he was making were great, and the offensive line just plowed the way, and that's 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 big boy football for Illinois. But Blake Hayes punt, and he told us after the game, I think it was just you and me chatting to him, Gavin, uh, he didn't have the green light there. Um, he just saw last week against Rutgers he missed that opportunity uh, when Illinois' offense really could have used it. Uh, and I, I know you're saying it's not the biggest play, but that was, that was a big play because Illinois came out of the half. They were – on the verge of a three and out there and Blake Hayes, I mean, Nebraska sent one guy, they blocked him. Blake hesitates. He thought of punting it because he didn't know whether he should go. And then he breaks to his left, as you said, jukes air. <laughs> and he finds his way to a first down lumber, uh, lumbering and stumbling there. But um, that changed the game because Nebraska would have the ball. They had a chance to, to get it to within 11 or whatever. Instead, Illinois goes on a drive. Uh, the offense gets a field goal, but even a field goal made it a 21-point game, right, instead of Nebraska possibly cutting it to an 11-point game. Those are huge plays in, in a game, and plus it helped Illinois have a 6-minute, 31-second drive when they were trying to they, – they were aggressive in the second half, but they did a great job of shortening that game with some long, sustained drives that we just haven't seen for Illinois football. They had the time of possession day, 36-24. to 24. 
Um, that's not the Illinois team we saw the first couple weeks. No, you never see Illinois dominating time of possession. And, and it was actually clear, you know, once it got to the third quarter, too. You know, it wasn't something where they just kind of ran out, ran out the clock in the fourth by just calling only run plays. No, Illinois really masterfully, you know, eked this game out um, in the second half, as you said. And, and another thing, too, is they were pretty good in the red zone today. You know, they, they did have to settle for some short field goals, which is frustrating, but there were not really any, you know, major mistakes, nothing that costed them. Um, I think they started crucially as well by scoring four touchdowns the first four times they got in the red zone, and that is just something that they have not done either. You know, I, I forget what game it was, maybe Purdue or, or Minnesota, where, you know, the, the offense was moving the ball a little bit but just could not punch it in. And today that was huge. You know, and, and I think a lot of that comes down to Peters' decision-making, but also the offensive line really having its way with Nebraska. I mean, you know, I haven't didn't, – didn't really single – anyone out but but well actually Kendrick Green comes to mind he had, he had one play uh, I think it was a Chase Brown run for a first down where he like really quickly blocked two guys within like a second uh, allowing Brown to get by for the first down Doug Kramer was pretty good too and you got to shout out Julian Pearl in his first career start as well stepping in for Palcho uh, it was just really great on all cylinders yeah Illinois uh, coach Lovey Smith uh, took the chance and, and kudos to him he should probably do this more he said that's what happens when you have an all Illinois offensive line I'm like yeah always be recruiting man sell um, yeah sell yourself and that that group did do well and it's really good to see a group that has Virtus Brown and Julian Pearl guys who are going to be huge the next couple years uh, to produce like this so I'm interested you know offensive line play I always need to kind of go back and, and watch the film but it's clear that they had big holes and that some of those pull blocks that Kramer and Green were having. Uh, Green's having a season that's going to put him in, in, in the, the opportunity to go pro early. Yeah, and you got that film at center, too. I mean, <laughs> this season is shaping up really well for Kendrick Green right now. Yeah, so I was really impressed by that. But here's a, here's a key stat, and, and there were so many you could choose, whether it's Illinois fumbling four times or recovering all of them, uh, the 5-0 tur- turnover margin, but 11 of 17 on third downs. This has been one of the worst teams in the country on third downs, but the last two weeks, they are now 19 for 34. Kudos to that. That's quarterback play. That is quarterback play for the most part, but also you got into some shorter third downs, and all of a sudden your running game can get that going. But that's a lot of decision making and playmaking by the quarterback. So kudos to Isaiah Williams last week and Brandon Peters because I think coming into this game, Illinois was 30% on third downs. Defensively, two weeks ago, they were 60% uh, giving up third downs. The last couple of weeks, I think they're around 30, 35. So um, that's huge. Get off the field, stay on the field. That leads to the time of possession we're talking about. 100%. And you said a lot of them were, were third and short situations. Luckily, I have a nice stat here thanks to Stat Broadcast. Yes. Illinois was 8 for 10 on third and shorts um, from, from third downs within four yards. And that's huge. But the other thing, take it to the flip side. They were great against Nebraska on third down and fourth down. Um, and, and you know what? Yes, Nebraska really was pretty self-destructive. They did a lot of their plays busted and kind of just, you know, went haywire. But that is huge. In, in these last two weeks, Illinois has finally been able to, to change what's been happening on key downs like that. Um, actually, Nebraska's game program had Illinois, they were 33% conversion rate coming into this week and that's after a pretty what I think was a pretty good game on third down against Rutgers so really that is a key thing and and as you said you know it's just being able to get in those situations and set up solid approachable third downs where they don't know you got to throw 
the ball 100%. And another thing I'd like to point out was that, you know, and we kind of touched on this, but there really weren't the, the busts on defense that we've seen in coverage. And granted, you know, Nebraska didn't have a great throwing quarterback until they threw in Martinez, and, and he was the only, you know, there was only one big pass play that Illinois gave up, and it was garbage time with Martinez. But that is huge because when you're able to just carve up secondaries, like what Wisconsin did to Illinois, what Minnesota and, and Purdue to a little bit lesser of an extent did, I mean, that just kills you. It kills your defense because it just makes them have to trot down the field, keep going, keep going. You know, Nebraska's defense looked tired today, not Illinois, and that was new. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, Nebraska, I, I thought once Illinois got up three possessions, I go, I don't think this Nebraska team can come back because they don't get those chunk plays. And that's been the case with them for a while. But you know, early on, those first couple drives, they were getting to the edge. They were just getting five to six to seven yards a chunk. But uh, Lovey Smith, what he doesn't want to give up is those those big plays. And I think there's a big play thing here on, on Stat Broadcast. Yeah. If you want to check that out, just, just to compare the two because – Nebraska, I can think of the Wandale Robinson run for 32 yards, um, and he had a 31-yard catch that was, you know, late, and Both it didn't really, yeah. 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 No, no other plays over 20 yards. Yeah. So, I mean, that's what Illinois has really been struggling with. Otherwise, you make those quarterbacks make enough plays, they're going to make some huge mistakes. And Luke McCaffrey uh, had three interceptions. Eight. One was on a Hail Mary uh, that Jake Hansen probably really should have batted down. But he, I asked him afterwards, he goes, I'm, I'm always going to take that one. You got to get the stat. You got to get the takeaway when the game's in hand. But they, the Illinois defense did give up yards, right? They give 215 rushing yards. But 4.9 per attempt. I think they only had two or three, or I think three or four runs over 10 yards. So they made Nebraska work for it. And when you got ahead like they did, that's what you have to do because they got to take up a lot of clock to get down the field. They have to take up a lot of plays, and that uh, creates more opportunities for them to make mistakes. And, and Illinois took huge advantage of those with Luke McCaffrey, just like they did against Noah Vedral. Th- those are two of the worst quarterbacks probably in the Big Ten, and Illinois' defense took advantage of that. Last two weeks, a defense that had been giving up a lot of points, understandably facing some poorer quarterbacks and, and poorer offenses, but they hold them to 43 points between those two teams, and they have eight takeaways over the last two games. That's lovely ball. It, it's pretty clear what the recipe is for Illinois. You know, it, it not everybody can do it, but Illinois does it. And when, when they take the ball away and when their offense isn't, you know, exploding <laughs> um, in a bad way, um, they're pretty good. And, you know, it, it's a weird formula to rely on because takeaways seem pretty unreliable, but Illinois kind of does it reliably. You know, guys make plays. Lovey Smith coaches this defense, and, and their first their first you know goal isn't stop the ball. It's get the ball out. And, and that's why you see Illinois give up a lot of yards. And, you know, the giving up big plays is, is really bad, obviously. But when you don't do that, you can afford to, you know, strip at the ball a, a couple times, you know, make some – some jumps on routes, like you can do things that aren't going to break your back as much as they would otherwise. And the, the guy who's so good as Jake Hansen, oh, yeah. um, Illinois fans, I think he's playing his way into possibly being drafted. I, I don't know if he will be. I just don't know like how he'll test out athletically, all those things. He's not the biggest guy. But he had, what, two and a half tackles for a loss today, a fumble recovery, an interception. Usually he's the one forcing fumbles. Um, he's elite at that. 
But he is, he is the heart and soul of this defense. And after Tariq Barnes left the game, he had to move back to middle linebacker and played really, really well there. But a guy who I think if, if Jake leaves after this year and doesn't use a sixth year here by the NCAA, Kalon Tolson's starting to get – he's really good at punching the ball away. So that could be the next guy. And he stepped up with Milo Eifler out uh, the last couple of weeks and, and played really well. I thought Delano Ware came up and played well. I didn't think the defensive line had a great day. Um, I thought they were really bullied at the beginning of the game. I thought they struggled to get uh, Luke McCaffrey down. But late in that game, you saw Carney get a big sack. You, you saw some some pressures late where they were able to get uh, some some pressure. So, uh, But I thought the back seven um, played fantastic. Tony Adams was really good at safety as well. Yeah, I mean, this, this Illini defense looked like what you thought it would at the start of the year, you know. Not a lot of depth at linebacker, but some really strong, reliable guys who can do a lot of things. You know, good in the secondary with with a pretty experienced group. You know, the defensive line, shaky. Not not the best. We knew it wasn't going to be a strength, but made a few plays and, you know, limited damage. That's all you can ask for, really. Introducing the two-way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the two-way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the two-way for yourself at newbalance.com. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean and a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Okay, now you get Ohio State. That, that's the come down of all of this, right? And hey, Indiana showed you can compete, but Indiana's a legit top 15 team. I, I think they showed that again today. Um, no, I, I would imagine Illinois is going to be, what, a 27 point underdog at least or something around there uh, for next week's home game. No one's expecting you to compete. But if you can hang around in that game, I think most would see that as, as a positive. Ohio State's at another level. Them, Clemson, Alabama, maybe Georgia. Like there's five or six teams that are in their stratosphere right now. So it would take an epic game, even more so than Wisconsin, for Illinois to win that game just because the athletes, the quarterback, Justin Fields. So I don't know how much we're going to learn next week. But I think what this game says is find a way to beat Iowa because I think Iowa is beatable. Uh, their offense isn't very good, just like Nebraska's. Their defense is good, much better than Nebraska's. So that's the next test. But I think Illinois has the talent to compete with them. I think they have the talent to win at home against a team like Iowa, coming off two road victories like this. And then Northwestern is really good defensively. Uh, but if, if you got the offense you think you have, um, I think Northwestern's offense isn't that good. Um, so you have a chance to win the game. That's what this game does, Gavin. It sets up an interesting end of the year where you can learn a lot, and Illinois got opportunities, especially those last two games and uh, the potential crossover at the end, where you can make this still a pretty decent, maybe good season if you end well. Yeah, you really can. And, you know, two weeks ago, you know, everyone was asking themselves, is this team really about to go winless? 
And, you know, granted, the COVID-altered season makes that a lot more possible without three games against really bad programs that would have almost certainly have been a 3-0 start and probably a 4-0 start with Rutgers in that fourth game. But, man, what a difference having Brandon Peters back makes. And what a difference it makes when your defense doesn't bust on big plays all the time. Illinois really has shown... Um, yes, the potential we saw, the potential that Lovey Smith has been talking about for years now, really is there on this team. And and yeah, I don't think Illinois is going to finish with a winning record because it's three tough games, and then whoever they get matched up against in Big Ten Championship week, uh, they'll they'll play them. But you know, it does feel like there's legitimate reasons to be hopeful and to tune in for the rest of the season. You know. I really think it's going to be a really ugly game against Ohio State next week. But don't let that beat you up too much, Illini fans, because like you said, you know, I think Illinois matches up okay with Iowa. And, you know, Lovey Smith's played Northwestern really badly in his time at Illinois. But, hey, they'd played Nebraska really badly in his time at Illinois too. And, you know, things went right today. I'm starting to think of, like, that crossover game, like, Man, do you want to avoid Penn State or do you want Penn State? Would you like you like to draw like Michigan State at this point, right? Like you're not going to play Rutgers again, so it's probably going to be Michigan State or Penn State. Uh, but no, it could be a Nebraska Penn State game at the bottom, right? Like that that's what's that's amazing. I don't think I think Penn State will win a couple of games against the bottom of the uh, you know bottom of the Big Ten East here, but that's pretty amazing to think of. And what's amazing, and it, it should be true, is listen. I understand we've talked about the hot seat the last couple of weeks. Lovey Smith has helped, helped turn his team around. We always use that cap. You turn this team around, you have a respectable end of the year, that probably talk is done. I think if there's one more win here, that talk is done, uh, especially in this COVID year with them having key players, including their starting quarterback out. Um, I, I think with the financial situation, I, I think one more win and that that's, you don't even talk about that um, anymore. So that's huge for the, the rest of this year. But I'll tell you what, uh, I don't think Nebraska makes a move, but I think the guy under more fire right now is Scott Frost. He's 7-15 and 15 in the Big Ten. So that's what this game meant. I mean, it was like Lovey Smith all, all of a sudden flipped the script that, yep, I'm not going to be on these hot seat lists anymore. The guy in Lincoln, who's the guy who came home, I don't think he gets fired after this year, after three years. But all of a sudden, you got to be doubting, like, what's happening here with, with Nebraska? Because this was ugly for them. This is a really ugly loss for them. I want to take a quick look at Husker Twitter, and it looks a lot like Illini Twitter has looked the past few weeks. I thought Except they were nice. I thought Nebraska was nice. I thought they're, that's what they were. They're not nice. They're angry at their team, and they're mean to their own team. Uh, I, I'll go out there and say they're probably meaner than Illini fans are when they're angry. Can I shout out uh, the Illinois social media staff? I know the person who actually tweeted this, the individual who tweeted this. Um, but they said, good game, Nebraska, from the Illini Athletics Twitter account. Good game, Nebraska. Thanks for bringing big football back. Great trolling. Great use of social media. I hope uh, that no one got a phone call to take that tweet down. It's been up for an hour or so now. Uh, fantastic use of social media. Because, yes, thank you, Nebraska, for helping bring Big Ten football back uh, to your tough schedule that included Illinois in Week 5. Right. Isn't this exactly what they asked for? Why are they mad? Um, but back to your point about Lovia, um, it, it's really interesting now with this win. Two in a row, you know, got three games left. They're going to be tough. But actually, like, it, this might have done it for Lovey. Like, this really might have cooled his seat off. You know, it's not going to look good if Illinois goes winless the rest of the year. But like you said, you know, the optics of firing a coach in, a, in this pandemic, given the economic toll that it's taken, 
is really a lot to do. Yeah. I, that's why I think for a coach with years on his contract. And that's why I think one more win will just end it, right? Yeah. Like I think if you say Illinois gets blown out the next three games and loses the last, I mean, two and seven is really disappointing, especially now that most of your team is back, right? Um, that could still change the way we're thinking. But two weeks ago, I was I was talking with Carp on here, and you know he was ready to move on. I get it, but I always said that. There's still a lot of football to be played here, and, and there's still a chance because they did this last year where they turned the season around. And, and I've been saying there, there's enough talent here, and it doesn't excuse Illinois for the game at Wisconsin. That was atrocious. Um, and I, I think Wisconsin's good. I don't think they're that good. Um, Purdue, listen, Karan Taylor tried his best. Minnesota, Karan Taylor tried his best. But the defensive stuff was the most concerning against Minnesota. Uh, then last week you found a way. Now – you play like this, you got to find a way to balance it all out. And that's what the rest of the season is for. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the other thing that, that could affect the rest of the season is, is if Illinois is able to stay healthy. You know, you saw Palacho go down. That injury looked bad. The O-line played great despite it. So, you know, if if bad, if bad a lot of bad things don't happen, I think it, Lovey Smith gets out of the season and, and is okay, is, is maybe not proud, but uh, is feeling okay and is ready to come back in 2021 and, and deal with, a normal set of circumstances in a season. But I really think that Illinois is set up for a very interesting stretch here. You know, it feels like those last few games last season after the four-game winning stretch where it's like, hey, whatever happens now is a bonus. You know, and and that feels stupid to say in a season where we're talking about two and seven is still as a possibility, but it really is a different set of circumstances that we're working with. It reminds me of last year when they were two and four. Everyone had given up. I mean, most fans had given up. I mean, I'll be honest, I had a list ready of coaches. That, that's what I've done the last couple of weeks. Like, okay, I got to start thinking about this uh, and, and, you know, asking around about what happens, but you got also have to let a season play out because as much as we think we know what's going to happen, the last two years are obvious proof that you can't do that. Penn State fans are going through that right now. Indiana fans are going through that right now. And that's what makes this great is that you can't predict this and you can't script this. And we'll see what Illinois does. I don't think they're beating Ohio State, um, but they got a couple more chances to even put more of a, hey, this is – this is a turnaround. This is a real turnaround because right now um, they're putting together the start of a turnaround to a season. And given the circumstances, as we said, we've gone through, uh, it's pretty amazing. They, they have made this season interesting again. And when most people have given up on them and, and turned towards college basketball season, listen, the next week more people are going to be worried about Illinois basketball, right? Because you're finally going to see this top 10 team in. People are going to be tuned in on Saturday and be like, Hey, let's see if we can hang with Ohio State. If we don't, whatever. But then they're going to be tuned in for Iowa to see if can we get that next huge step win and finally take down the Hawkeyes because they were close last year. I thought it was one of their best games last year, but they lost the turnover margin. I just think they made these last three games interesting when two weeks ago I didn't think they were going to be. Absolutely. And I think it is important for Illinois and for this staff to make sure that the team is competent next week. You know, because if, if you come out and you lose 60-7 to seven to Ohio State, that kind of is going to be a big setback um, momentum-wise, confidence-wise, and in the feeling changes. You know, you talked about that win at Rutgers and, and just how important it is to get one win. Illinois has to make sure they remember this feeling today 
and remember that, you know, yeah, Ohio State might win the national title. Like, <laughs> they're really freaking right. good. Um, so, But if that's a 42-21 to 21 game, and, like, that's what it is going into the fourth quarter, you're, you're within two or three times. Like, I know that's weird to say, but that's a lot different than that 60-7, to seven, right? Because it would show that, okay, they, they can hang around with those guys and make those guys work for a win. Um, because Ohio State's, again, just at a, a different level. If you can make it a game like Rutgers kind of made it interesting in the fourth quarter, then I think that's, that's what you take as a win. Yeah, we're not expecting, you know, full comeback or fake comeback Indiana rally type thing. But, but yeah, it, it really is just like if they're able to get off the field with dignity, that's probably a moral win right there. Fantastic stuff, Gavin. Uh, what'd you think of Memorial Stadium, man? Like this place is so cool when it's full, um, but this town is really cool. I was telling you, going by Pinnacle Bank Arena, I've never been there for a game, and I can't wait to go. But the downtown area looks awesome. Uh, the fans are so into this thing. It's not a good read on it, but uh, I think you can tell Lincoln's a, a different place. Yeah, Lincoln. It, it's there's truly a city in the middle of nowhere here. It's it's true. I can confirm this. I thought Nebraska was just a pile of dirt. Um, Evidently, it's a little similar to Illinois. You know, there's some cities in the dirt. Um, but Lincoln, you know, as it's, it's like a, this beautiful stadium. I mean, well, it's it like really a stadium's is. like right in downtown Champaign, right? Yeah. That, that's what it feels like. And that's why it would be cool if like the hockey arena actually yeah. happened oh, in downtown don't Champaign. Don't even get me started about that hockey arena. Oh, I want that to happen so bad. But it, it really is a beautiful place here. Nice press box, too. It, it's a shame that there can't be fans because it would be something special. Um, and it would have been a very interesting memory to have illinois quieting that crowd and i'd imagine they probably would have booed and, and stuff you know and i know nebraska fans are loyal but they do have high expectations and they would have been angry today illinois now two and one on the road to uh, the road warriors so far this year we'll see if they can bring that coming home gavin good appreciate it man absolutely two and one a 2020 stat there <laughs> there you go all right everybody hope you enjoyed that win we'll have more coverage at illiniinquire.com more on brandon peters more on what this means uh, for the rest of the season thanks for listening to the illini inquire podcast we'll talk to you next time This show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You speak. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus.